Hello and welcome to In Common, a podcast and community where we explore the spiritual practice of grief, trusting that it leads us to our healing, gives us a new sense of freedom, and empowers us to imagine and embody a better way forward. We believe this dimension of our human experience is something we all have in common, and we don't have to do it alone. If you're new to our show, we, re- we release our conversations in two parts. In part one, we take a raw, honest look into our own grief, disappointment, and questions. Part two will be an exploration of the hope we are finding in the true example of Jesus and the freedom we now have to reimagine and then embody a better way. My name is Dana Solomon, and today I'm joined by Tara Beneventi to talk about individualism. As always, these conversations are meant to be accessible, but the content will be vulnerable and challenging. I know you'll enjoy our conversation. Let's jump in. Tara! Hey! What's up? Oh, I'm good. I get to sit here with you. I know. It's crazy. It's just like a normal conversation. Just a bunch of people are going to hear it. Yeah. Don't worry. Exactly. It's going to be great. Um, well, why don't we get started? I'd love for those who may not know you, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, anything that feels important to you. Yeah. Well, one of the first things I always share about myself is that I'm from the small island of Guam. So that's located in the Northern Mariana Islands. And for folks who don't know, Guam is a modern day colony occupied by the U.S. military. Um, And so I'm native to Guam, which we call Chamorro. And that describes the native people of Guam. And on Guam, we have very large and connected families. So I grew up with a big extended family where everyone sees each other and gets together regularly, like all my aunts, uncles, cousins. And that was just normal growing up. So yeah, that's where I'm from. And then another important thing about me is that I grew up as a pastor's kid. Hey, <laughs> PK. Yeah. PK. Yeah, I was raised in the Protestant church. And that was my environment all throughout childhood. And I have really good memories of growing up in the church as a kid. I was always playing and doing homework on the church property while my dad worked on his sermons. I grew up in small groups. I just did all of the pastor kid things. <laughs> Yeah. And then beyond that, I just really love learning about Jesus. That was something as a kid I always wanted more of, even from like a really young age. Mm-hmm. So I left Guam at 19 and then I came here to Portland to go to college. Uh, I'm a UP alumni. And hey. uh, yeah, that go was <laughs> pilots. Go Is pilots. That okay. Yeah. Pilots. pilots. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know. It's the, the pilots are like not airplane pilots that's what oh. i thought oh what are they they're like sailor pilots oh i, I didn't, didn't even know that existed me either there you go go um, pilot great so it's not just that if you're from guam you don't know no okay <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but before that um i well when i got to up i was originally a music major but then i discovered social work so that's what i studied i didn't know there was such a thing as social work where you could like basically study how to help people using best practices and such. Uh, Yeah, so then I went on uh, from there to study community development and social justice, which is my main passion. Um, So all that said, my main passion is 
justice-oriented things and community development. I'm an Enneagram 2, so if you know what that means, that means I'm the helper, and it describes me very well. Yeah, and the last thing is that I'm just a very playful person. I love adventuring, I love climbing, surfing, swimming, all those types of things I'm in. Yes. Yeah, that's me. You're always coming back from a camping trip. This is true. That's what I feel like every time I see you. Yes. So good, Tara. Yes. Thanks for sharing all that context, too, because I think all these things feel very important to who not only you are, but also who I know you to be, you know, and even as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that you were like a music major to start. So I'm excited for this conversation. I feel like there's going to be little surprises along the way I'm gonna be like wait Wait, can we stop because I need to (laughs) I need to ask you about this the things that come out in a podcast yes yes so if that sums up who you are what feels important to you to the nature of you I'd love for people to also hear where you find yourself right now because sometimes I think that translates a little differently to how we have this conversation and how we're processing things at this time so what do you think you would describe your current season to be like right now Yeah, um, this is a unique new season in my life. I would say that it's a very productive season of life. Um, When I say that, I preface it with the fact that the previous chapter of my life was marked by a lot of inner work, just lots of preparation, deconstructing, occupying a space where I was doing things that I was happy in, but I wasn't necessarily pursuing my main passion Mm -hmm. Um, and I was absorbing a lot of information about how I wanted to do that and do that well. Um, and now I'm in a place where I feel like I'm putting that into practice and watching what it could produce. So for example, right now I manage a houseless sheltering program with 15 staff and 45 participants. And that's where I'm learning. That's my main context where I'm learning and practicing how to lead other people, how to create a culture of belonging how to cultivate safe community, partnering with others, all the things that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say outside of work, I'm just really in a season of pressing into rest and friendship. Um, I've been burnt out before um, because I didn't know how to rest. And so now that I know, I think it's more important than ever this time to practice rest just because of everything going on in the world, mm-hmm. the fight for justice, equality. It's a long, heavy, and messy journey. And mm-hmm. Um, the way that I'm wired, I want to be engaged in it for the long haul, mm-hmm. not just the sprint. And um, I think alongside of that, I'm just like in a chapter really enjoying friendship. I think my previous years, I've spent a lot of time making new friends, investing a lot of time and energy in friendships. Mm-hmm. And now I just I'm in- enjoying sitting back and in just hanging yes people so like yes the previous episode of tim tim is just always hanging i just mm-hmm. i want to live that life yes <laughs> we're always aiming to be like tim yes yeah just chilling just chilling what a life i don't yeah, know i learned so much about chilling from tim yes that's awesome yeah i feel like knowing you hearing and now being part of your story a bit is it really feels like one of the first seasons that I'm watching you like as an adult that your passion and vocation feel like they're actually starting to intersect in Mm -hmm. a very real way. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to hear your perspective of like viewing the season before this maybe as preparation. Mm Because I think from the outside, I think a lot of people could look at that season of life for you and be like, oh, like, I mean, I met you when you were working in a coffee shop, you know, and just like could just write it off as something that maybe – wasn't significant or couldn't be significant. Right. You know, and I've just seen 
so much fruit, I think in the past like year of your life that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't just happen. Mm. And I think that's really important for people to hear. Um, so I'm really glad that you said that just because yeah. I think that's, that's real life. Like that's how growth happens as you go through lots of seasons of long preparation and then like a few things start to click, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. and it, and it feels awesome. It feels like everything starts to click, you know, yeah. but, um, it really is like the work that you put in. Yeah. And I would say that part of what felt felt like preparation was the constant longing to not just be doing something different, but like, you know how you just, part of what is preparing you is the itch and desire yeah, to the angst. Yeah. The angst <laughs> that feels like preparation, the, the teenage angst. I was in the <laughs> angst phase for many, many years. Yes. Sort of. That's what it felt like enjoying what I was doing, but like, mm-hmm. oh, it doesn't feel like I've, I've found the sweet spot. Yes, yeah. totally. That's awesome. Um, so we were talking and it felt like we landed on this. I'm going to say theology. Yeah everyone Mm -hmm. theology (laughs) and practice of individualism. So not that scary. It's not real theology. It's fine. Um, in our lives in America and in the church, I think as we were chatting about it, just casually, we realized how deeply the roots of individualism can take place and how we've both seen and experienced it in our lives in different ways. I think obviously we have very different backgrounds, very different stories, but we can still draw a thread of individualism through basically the whole thing, um, depending on, you know, where it may be coming from. So like anything that we discover like that, that has a deep place in our lived experience, I feel like there is some grieving to be done as we realize the ways that it has not served us well. Mm. Um, and for us, I think too, there's this other dimension that we're exploring of the ways that doesn't reflect the theology and practice of Jesus. Yeah. So I think like we're always, you know, on the human journey of increasing our own awareness of our experience and trying to better ourselves. But I think that's also part of this podcast is a spiritual dimension centered on the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I just want to read the definition of individualism from Google, just very basic, just so we have (laughs) some sort of starting place um, of what we're talking about. So individualism as defined by Google, is the habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant. So I think I actually read that and I was like, oh, I'm actually really satisfied with that definition as a starting place. Um, I actually didn't think it would be that spot on, um, but it kind of hit different. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So Tara, I'd love to hear... Uh, maybe what you've been experienced, what you've experienced in your story and your past um, up until this point, individualism, what is it? And when do you think maybe it started to take effect in your life? Or maybe just talk a bit about what comes to mind when you think of individualism? Yeah. Um, well, I think growing up on Guam, and being in a primarily collectivist culture, I experienced individualism, which felt like from an outsider perspective. Yeah. Um, because when you're when you're just encapsulated in a cultural norm, mm-hmm. you don't noticing you don't notice anything different. Yeah. Um, so I probably would say, I mean, individualism just takes place in our lives in different ways, mm-hmm. but where it became like very noticeable, like I could say oh that feels different or that feels weird was when I moved to the states yeah um and 
you know, my family, we flew all, we all flew halfway across the world to drop me off to college. It was like a family affair. You know, we all saved. We came out here. They stayed for the whole week. They came to all the orientation stuff. Like we hunkered (laughs) down and we did the thing. And you're like looking around and you're like, why is no one else here? Yeah. Or (laughs) yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really know it then, but I was in for a lot of culture shock. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just seeing the way um, other young adults interacted with their families yeah. didn't feel as interconnected as as it came so naturally to me. Um, and my family felt like they had all, it felt like they had all made sacrifices for me to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, not like assuming what it felt like for others, but there was just something different of mm-hmm. like there's so much more in it feels like there's so much more investment on a collective level here than uh this individual pursuit of a good education wow that people got to choose um so i mean that was like just i can only describe the feeling yeah you know but there was just all the like other little things like funny things mm-hmm. like i i was telling you the other day about yes. um my first experience of uh bring your own bring your own dinner yes to like a potluck (laughs) I was so uh and it was like it wasn't like bring a dish to share it was like no bring your own food and only you're gonna eat it it was like because I think that's like super yeah super individual yeah yeah I grew up like more like yeah bring a dish to share yeah absolutely yeah that feels normal yeah but the whole bring your own (laughs) dinner dinner to the picnic and we're all going to hang. I was like, there's no way I can hang and eat my own food in front of everybody else. I couldn't do it, you know, but everyone else kind of acted like that was normal or totally acceptable. So crazy. Um, I don't know. I think we just kind of see it in like these little cultural things, but individualism also has like a really big feeling too. And it was Mm -hmm. like, I remember, um, being dropped off to college and my family flew back to Guam And I had this like really weird moment where I was like, oh, shoot, like I am I am here Mm -hmm. like to do the thing myself. Yes. Um, And I'm sure like lots of college students kind of experience that when their family left. Totally. But I didn't have that sense of like independence or Mm -hmm. self-sufficiency or just there was so much reliance on mm-hmm. the group mentality. So, um, you know, and that wasn't negative either. Right. I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes being steeped in American culture for me, I feel like the reliance on family, um, is, is most of the time viewed negatively. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of yeah. like the son who lives with their mom, you know, it's like failure to launch. I don't know if that's like, that's like a movie from, yeah. I don't know, the early 2000s, but it's literally about, yeah, a guy who's like a little bit older, but living with his family. And it's like, that was always painted as like, literally, hello, the title, failure. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. crazy. And it's so interesting because that is like l- literally individualism taking place and that you should feel bad about relying on mm-hmm. other people for your success or your progression. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like steeped in it that you feel shame around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt that way, but when I kind of like witnessed that, I was like, "Oh, that's a that's a weird new experience." Yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, well, that's good. I think it's like 
it is so interesting to hear your perspective because it's so, it is an outsider, but honestly, that's so helpful Mm -hmm. because I think for so many of us here who grew up here, grew up in America, even like in the circle of a circle, grew up in American church, it's so hard to even imagine even as you're describing the feelings, it's so hard to even imagine the feelings of a collectivist mm. experience um, for, I mean, I guess I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say for me, but I think that I would think maybe that that would be true of, of most white people. Mm-hmm. I mean, in America, I think obviously yeah. like, you know, my husband and his family it's more of a collectivist culture so he's experienced that here but he's also experienced that in the midst of american culture so there's still lots of like nuance to that oh yeah um but i think being in essence completely removed from america in some ways right (laughs) colony but in some ways um i just think that's like an interesting perspective even just like I said, just the feelings of, oh yeah, there is no shame around reliance on family. Just even like thinking about that. I'm like, oh, I get nervous anytime I ask my parents for help as an adult. Mm. You know, I just get like nervous. I'm like, I know they want to, it's nothing about them, but it is just that ideology, like taking root in my emotions again of like oh like I should it's the shoulds right I should be able to figure this out on my own or I should have been prepared or or that there's an age expectation put on you yes by this age you gotta yes 18 be independent yes or like right now it's like I think also life seasons can do that too where it's like oh once you're married or once you're you know whatever once once you have a different support system in place then you definitely shouldn't need like let's limit it to like family Mm -hmm. help you know it's Mm -hmm. it kind of like progresses like you still have a support system but it's up to you to find that which is like still more individualism yep yeah um crazy Mm -hmm. it's crazy just to even like start talking about it but so we're we're kind of reflecting on this individualistic culture and maybe what it's brought um, to the table for us and created even systemically. So I think we were talking about a lot, the, the separation that it brings um, from just one another that once we stand as an individual, it's really hard to see ourselves as, one of many, you know, or like included mm-hmm. in this, like, I like the word that you use of like interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts to really diminish that idea. And why don't you just tell me a little bit about from your perspective, when you think about individualism separating us, um, how do you see that play out? And maybe just even from your experience, how do you see that play out differently in your culture? Yeah. Um, like I like the word that you use interconnectedness. Um, it's just so interesting. Like I, I had to kind of take a step back and think like, okay, the concepts of individualism and collectivism come so kind of naturally to me. Cause this is just like the way that I think and the things that I think about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but if we're like talking about individualism, like for me, it, it was like simply defined as like a way of thinking and operating that values personal independence and self-sufficiency and you value that more than being connected to a group 
Mm-hmm. So it's not that like groups are not important or being or having a sense of belonging um, mm-hmm. or reliance on a, a group is a bad thing. It's just that it's not as important. And when you have to sacrifice one for the other, uh, you're definitely going to you're going to pursue what's what's good for yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, and I all of these phrases, you know, that I think of, of like the pull yourself up by your bootstraps culture. Mm-hmm. Climb the ladder of success culture or, you know, I can have anything I want, um, do anything I want. Ultimately, it encourages us into this way of operating where like everything is competition and comparison. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just think growing up in a collectivist culture, like competition and comparison, like obviously those things are kind of embedded in our human nature. The way that we we all kind of have it we're all uniquely wired where we have different reasons for wanting to be accepted or acceptable. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. individualism makes this way of operating like way more culturally acceptable and even encourages systems and people to operate that way, like based on competition, based on comparison. Mm -hmm. Whereas collectivism doesn't do that. There's not so much of a competition between individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not concerned with that. Um, It's, basically valuing the well-being of the group over the individual. So it's just valuing the collective over one person. And it's the practice of giving the group priority. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't encourage competition or comparison. It actually brings people together to achieve a common goal. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I think is different is in my life, I experienced it as we're all in this together to achieve this common goal. Mm-hmm. We're not competing with one another. In fact, we're all actually making sacrifices so that we can move forward together. Yeah. Um, you know, one example is like my, I just have so many memories of one of us in our family wanting to do something Mm -hmm. and it was a group discussion. Like so crazy. Hey, you want to do this thing? Well, right. Let's go around the room and talk about like how we're going to make it happen for you. You might have to sacrifice some finance, finances some time some money some energy but we're all going to be like down to do it for this chunk of time so you can achieve this thing and ultimately your success is a shared success yeah Um, that was like the message I grew up with so I never Mm -hmm. felt like a like my personal dreams or desires were just mine to kind of hold dearly to myself and one day I'll I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps and do it it was like oh Mm -hmm. no that's something I I created, okay, I have a story, just a quick story. But, Do it, yes. Uh, I wanted to go to this music camp in Hollywood mm. called, the sum- awesome. called the Summer Shot Program, Summer Shot Summer Program at Musicians Institute in Hollywood. Yes. And I created a PowerPoint for my family on Guam. I set up the projector and I did a little presentation on this, oh my gosh. On this uh, program that I wanted to go to. And my family was so impressed. I wanted this so bad that I created this PowerPoint. (laughs) So my mom (laughs) was determined, okay, we're going to save for a year. Wow. And we're all going to go. Wow. And we did. I love it. But and it, I even love that it's like we're all gonna go. Yeah. We're all like going. that but that's awesome. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes my dad would just like camp out in the car in Hollywood waiting for me to be done with my, my oh program. Oh my gosh. But it's that kind of stuff where it's like I'm just thinking about the way my mm-hmm. mind was processing my own personal dreams and desires. Mm-hmm. It was not something 
and then we'll probably get into the pros and cons of like just relying on the group to get you there. But I just think I see it more. I've experienced it a lot more in my way of thinking and realizing mm-hmm. that's just not always the way. Yeah. We don't all think the same about yeah. those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just really interesting. Even in that story, I'm like reflecting, I'm like, wow, it's so, it's honestly, yes, there are many like facets to both ways of living. Right. But I think there is something in me that like longs for like, oh, I like wanted that. Like I wanted to experience the fun things that like maybe I only got to do. I wanted that to be all of us, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's sad that it wasn't to me, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. also sad that that because of individualism and that way of thinking, it becomes even a point of contention with family sometimes like, you know, I would have certain friends or whatever. I mean, it just becomes like what you're saying. There's just a spirit of comparison and competition that starts to rise and it can't just be that like we're all winning, Mm. you know, and it's, wow. yeah, I think like as I was just reflecting on sort of your view of individualism and just even that fruit, seeing that fruit, I think we see that everywhere of competition, comparison. And I was just thinking about how, individualism it seems like that's at least one of the building blocks if not the cornerstone of individualism is that it's literally based in having to create kind of how we talk about like the other Mm -hmm. like people are the other person like and we can I just think it's the start of so many things that are unhealthy yeah and even even in hearing you talk about my success is over the well, like is more important than the well-being or the connectedness of the group. And I'm like, those are very different things to have to choose between also. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my success as a person or or being relationally connected. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I like my first response, like gut reaction is as always, like my idealist response is like, well, I want both. Like I don't ever want to have to choose between those things. But I do think that there is something about success still existing. I think probably a redefining of success existing, but that those two, as soon as we put those two like against each other, opposing each other, it's like, well, you can't win because you're supposed to have both. You're supposed to have a sense of personal purpose. Yeah. And you're also supposed to have like deep connectedness to other people mm-hmm. and they really shouldn't be opposing one another. Yeah, that shouldn't be like a choice. I understand that they, they hold tension, you know, in relation to one another. I think I see that a lot, but I think it definitely felt like a choice. Like, are you going to be, I mean, even when you hear, oh my gosh, so funny. Do you remember the have you ever heard of Casting Crowns? It's yes. so old. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. But I'm from Guam and I know Casting Crowns. Hey. hey. Um, but that like American Dream song came out or something. Okay, I don't know that. But one. it was all about it it was basically all about that. Like that was kind of the narrative of this song was like this guy like all work no play, mm. but then he's super lonely, you know, but it's like but it's this choice, right? It's like, mm. well, then you can't work. 
you can't work hard and just chase your dreams or chase this thing or like put yourself to work for this purpose because you'll end up like it will be a sacrifice of your like relational health you know and I think that's a balance that's like obviously very hard to strike in America where that's so celebrated that work life is very celebrated Mm -hmm. but um yeah I was just having that thought of like whoa it's like just creating this dualism of two very different aspects of life that really aren't the opposite of one another. They actually are supposed to exist together. And it just tells you that we kind of are used to operating in unhealthy ways in in both lands, you know, like if Mm -hmm. we take things to extremes and we're not holding things in balance, we're not asking like the questions about what does it mean to operate in my healthy identity and autonomy and also realize that I am responsible my, I'm responsible for the well-being of others. My actions mm-hmm. have that and are connected. Mm-hmm. And my heart's connected to others as well. Like, I, I do think that there's a picture of health in that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we've we've discovered that as much as a culture that we've, like, and we're talking about grief. Like, having to grieve yes. what's not working. Yes. To be able to reimagine. Yeah. yeah. It's the death of, of both questions, mm-hmm. right? I think that's, like, the grief for me in this is like, not only is it separating us from one another, but it's separating us from the thing, both things that we're meant to walk in. Mm -hmm. We are meant to walk in relationship. We also have responsibility and calling in this world Mm -hmm. to do something. I mean, we can't just not do anything, Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, I feel like that's like maybe something that I'm pinpointing is like, Oh yeah. Like I wish the questions were, how can I like healthily carry out my purpose and how can I also have really healthy relationships? Mm-hmm. Cause it's never going to be perfect, but I think those things are possible. Yeah. Like I think we're even in our community seeing that that's possible. Yeah. You know, I think the last thing that I'll add just on the tail end of that is like the, uh, the fact that we're asking about our calling and it, I think individualistic thinking is my calling is unto myself. Mm-hmm. It's for my, it's for my gain and for my benefit rather than we're, yes. ca- we're called, we're called to s- sort of a people. We're yes. called as a people. Yes. And we totally. have like unique identity in that. So it's like even mm-hmm. reframing the question about calling. Yeah. Um, Cause calling, which is be- why we can pose those two things against each other. Yeah. Because it's like, it's still, it's like individualism on individualism yes. on individualism. <laughs> Because calling is like, yes, Mm -hmm. still only you. Mm -hmm. So only you are going to be successful, which would be to the detriment of others if it is only you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a y'all. It's a y'all thing. (laughs) (laughs) We need that word in Mm -hmm. our language. Mm -hmm. We need that. Not just in the South. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, Okay. So we can see this definitely in the building of America. And like you said, anything that's built inside of that individualistic culture that's already like embedded in America um, will take after anything that started in America will take after that ideology in some, if not many ways. So as the church formed in the West and specifically in America, we know that was present, right? Like, I mean, we just know that. Yeah. So where do you see individualism in the church today, maybe in your experience in the church? Yeah, I think one of the things, one of the first things that comes to mind, 
somewhat from my experience, but also I think just even observation is I think about worship, I think mm-hmm. about music, I think about kind of the worship experience. I mean, I grew up in the church so that, I mean, I can really relate. I know that not everybody can. Um, but I just think, you know, Western Christianity carries these messages of individualism in a lot of different, like, spiritual practices Mm -hmm. and and like when it comes to issues of faith so you know followers of western christianity operate within this mindset of individualism like for example uh in a in a worship service or a youth group or like some of the songs that we would sing too Mm -hmm. it almost just like really created this experience where it was like oh i'm just this is all about this is all about me and my experience Mm-hmm. with God mm-hmm. and whatever is happening here remains kind of like just between me and God. And it feels private and sensitive. And mm-hmm. I either feel like terrible about myself yeah. or afraid about myself, or even if I'm just feeling, you know, not to say that there isn't supposed to be this sort of uplifting and encouragement in those settings. But sometimes I think just the language we use, the sort of like, I have this personal, everything's about sort of this personal experience Mm -hmm. and music is a huge part of our experience when Mm -hmm. it comes to spirituality and all that, but especially in in the Western church, it's almost catered to encourage this sort of like you in the pew, just you and Jesus. uh, But just happen to be with 300 other people. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, is like you would feel so disconnected from those Mm -hmm. other 300 people. That's Mm -hmm. what's the weird thing is like, that should be sort of like a red flag of like, I'm in this huge building with people who seemingly yeah. are supposed to believe in the same God who is for all, mm-hmm. but we're all just kind of standing in our own little bubble. Yeah. Trying to have this worship experience where we can leave and either mm-hmm. feel encouraged in our faith or convicted in our faith. And yeah. yeah, you know, you just, yeah, you, you, I see it in sort of those like, worship experiences and I've definitely experienced that too yeah um totally I feel like I'm thinking about a lot of my like youth group experiences probably because I was also very like angsty during that time Mm -hmm. where it would have probably been really helpful to come to a space where there was a more shared experience together I think it's just hard to come into a room and be like I know what I'm bringing into this room And apparently I'm supposed to like encounter God here to like help me with that stuff. But we're not going to actually talk about that. We're actually just going to talk about like this, you know, we're going to have sing these songs and then we're going to have this talk from the youth pastor. That's like not about my life Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And, but I think this, the sad, the equally sad part about that is what if I come in, like, yeah, like you're saying, like super excited. And then there's no shared experience of that either. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I experienced a lot in those environments was just no matter what emotion it was that I was feeling, it was definitely an environment of like repressive tendencies overall because of that, because it's to maintain the individual relationship. It's to... I don't know, build some sort of almost like a guard 
up against that. Like I remember seeing if I ever saw people like really showing that much emotion in church, I just thought, Oh, they must like be really going through something or like (laughs) something must be wrong, you know? And I think that's just, that's just really hard for me. I think like I realized that when I started having uh, more like group or like collective experiences, especially spiritually, I think um, even worship, that was very uncomfortable for me. And I just realized kind of what you're saying, that this personal relationship with Jesus had perpetuated into this very private thing. Um, And it almost felt wrong to share that with people Mm -hmm. too, even, even in like a worship setting where, I mean, that's not, that's not even like biblically what we see. I mean, it's just not a thing. It's of like me created. just singing to God or like me just even not singing, you know, just like <laughs> sitting there thinking to God. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, even it, it raises the questions for me of like, we've become so comfortable with the the worship experience looking so personal and individual and there's nothing, we're not like painting that in a bad light, but just, I think it's always good to ask the, like the bigger question, like, is that the real purpose of worship? Is that the Mm -hmm. full, the full expression of music? Is that what it's supposed to look like? Or is there something more bigger? Like can worship actually primarily be collective? Was it created to be that way where Mm -hmm. we are feeling thankful together, where we're um, like experiencing, Mm -hmm encouragement together and where I actually am in a room and I feel so connected Mm -hmm. to the beloved around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think to me, it's a hint at the grief that's there because if we're asking those questions, I feel like the grief is like, Oh, that's like my, my well being needs that. Like mm-hmm. my, my spiritual well being needs that mm. connectedness needs to feel that shared experience. And yeah, I think, I think I wish I also like in grieving this, I I wish we would listen to those questions more with, even within ourselves. But I think even individualism, there's not a space to even ask those questions either. Yeah. You know, so that's also just kind of, I mean, another thing to like add to the list of, <laughs> grief in this way um so what do you think about that's kind of like a worship sort of thing so what else in the church have you seen that's that feels heavily steeped or maybe you've seen like some fruit of individualism that has not maybe served you so well Mm. um well we already kind of touched base on like this very um individual experience personal relationship kind Mm -hmm. of hidden experience Mm -hmm. um but you know even just kind of thinking about when you ask that question has not like worked for me or I think growing up as a pastor's kid uh you know you just and I loved kind of doing all the things in church Mm -hmm. yeah but ultimately um there is this sort of performative aspect Mm -hmm. to being involved in ministry um and 
even just because Western Christianity values these sort of like gifts, talents, what you have to offer, um, Mm -hmm. what you're good at it then in this sort of like the, the better you are at at something, it's just, it's the, it's Western culture steeped in a church environment. Yes. What it is. Yeah. Um, so it's just like another thing that individualism in Western Christianity produces. It produces a very performative faith. And I see it in a lot of church ministry. We ministries, we place value on someone's performance as a worship leader or a really good, effective preacher. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in fact, the Western church encourages it by extracting as much talent and energy from individuals over encouraging a healthy amount of participation mm-hmm. with the rest yeah. of the community. You don't see that as much. Um, mm-hmm. Like even the Western model of operating a church, kind of like a business where people are paid full time. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really thankful for a community, but like just, you know, but I grew up in that environment, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily on Guam, but just like even being in very large churches over mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, this is you you love doing this obviously, but you kind of are now pushed to perform and you become kind of this, the one individual who's like the really good worship leader or the really good preacher or whatever it might be. But just to think about sort of, it perpetuates this very individualistic nature to ministry rather Mm -hmm. than we all have like these amazing things to contribute and none of us have to be burnt out or to feel like we have to constantly produce in them we can just kind of like in the full expression of our identity participate cooperate enjoy contribute uh yes i think it's just like it's it's such a narrow way of belonging and it's also defines if we're talking about the the concept and the framework of individualism, I feel like it's such a narrowly defined way of success. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so copy paste that framework, right? You either succeed on your own or you're connected, mm-hmm. right? So it's like either the group's going to, you're going to be connected to the well being of the group or you're going to be successful. So mm-hmm. that's like the two options, but we see that very clearly in the church. Mm-hmm. It's like so narrowly defined. This is how you succeed. And it's for these types of people who can be on a stage, who can put on a show, who can sound really charismatic, who also like now it's like, you know, who are up on the latest fashion trends. Like it just totally like keeps folding and folding and folding into the success of American culture. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other side is, okay, so then your other option, that's your one option. If you don't fit that mold, which by the way is also made up of limitations around gender, sexuality, relational status, even like Mm -hmm. I remember hearing, you know, people who wanted to like be pastors or whatever, like, I don't know, just talking about they needed to get married and I don't know, just like very weird. Um, It's now weird for us, you know? Yeah. Or like even like women, teaching or preaching yes that's a whole thing in itself but even that like they get more they're taken more seriously when they're a wife Mm. or something which like i understand that you have a a a different 
scope of responsibility maybe, but that's not a limitation to lead. Yeah. So I just feel like there, that was like the, the definition of this is the role that you can fill if you'd like to be on the track to success in the church. Yes. And then like also enveloped in that is like, or enveloped in that is okay. So if you're not that, this is the other way you can belong. It's lesser because it's what we sacrifice for success. Right. Mm -hmm. So it must be success must be worth more, Mm -hmm. but it's the, it's the well being of the group. It's the connectedness of the group. And so then it's like, you know, the, sweet little old ladies at my church in the South that would cook for everyone and be coordinating the fellowship stuff. And I just think there's this like, there's two ways. It's like, there's only two ways. And I think, you know, as a woman, I definitely felt weird pressure of like, I don't really fit the let's all be connected role. Um, Mm -hmm just like more in my personality, more wired for work. But then I also like, wasn't really allowed to be in the successful role because I'm not a man. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so that's super interesting just to think about how that continues to, how the culture just continues to show up in the church environment, even like the business model you know it's like that's kind of the business model of like the success of the church or whatever yeah I mean it tells you how much we value individual success without really naming it um Mm -hmm. but when we can't just allow people to more or less just show up and serve in their small ways with the capacity and the resource that they have no matter what it looks like Mm -hmm. like uh, an old coworker of mine um, came over to my office and brought a coffee and just wanted to chat a little bit. And mm-hmm. we were both new to work in houseless services. Um, but he, he said something that stuck with me. He was like, we were talking about, you know, all these new leadership positions opening up and like all the sort of really amazing folks kind of coming in and, and things just shifting around. And he said, um, he was like, you know, Tara, I, I'm, a, I'm just a pawn. He was like, I really enjoy just being a pawn. Like, I just want to show up and like serve people. Yes. And, and that becomes an impossible reality. Yeah. From individualism. Yes. It's like not even possible that that could be enough for someone, mm-hmm. much less fulfilling for someone. Mm-hmm. But it's like some people literally are fulfilled by that. Yeah. And that's amazing. I think it's like, why are we, why are we shaming that? Right. Like that's definitely a place of grief. It's like, why are we shaming the people that just want to come and show up and like have a good time and then go home? Yeah. Like it's okay. And it doesn't mean that they don't have anything to contribute. Like exactly. Probably fully contributing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more about creating more spaces to take more space to take up where that contribution can be just as valuable as if someone is standing on a stage. And I think we talk about that a lot with, with even the, the concept of belonging is that everyone has a different way that they belong to a collective group. But I think it's, we have to start thinking about what culture creates as many 
places and spaces of belonging. Like how can that spectrum just be as wide as possible? Mm-hmm. Cause that, I mean, yes, we're still grieving, but it does seem like that's what Jesus was able to do. Yeah. Like, which is inspiring. Like, I think that's amazing. You know, it's like, that's, that's, I think why we're still captivated yeah. by wrestling with this. It's like why it feels worth it to like, wrestle and grieve and ask these really hard questions is because someone was able to do this in a really inspiring way. Mm. So good. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's a good, I think that's a good like framework of church in America. Um, and I know we've talked a little bit about family inside of that, but why don't you just tell us a little bit Um, if you have any other thoughts on, yeah, maybe because you grew up so differently and more in a collectivist culture, how did you see individualism, um, maybe show up or maybe what was your experience with collectivism that, yeah, maybe let's go into like pros and cons of like the family system and how you saw those things sort of, I don't know, playing out with each other. Yeah. I think mine was unique. Um, I think ultimately we operated in a very collectivist culture, mm-hmm. but because, you know, we're also a, a U.S. territory, it was like there was also the, the promise offered of the American dream. So, yeah, you know, we I've already shared a little bit about like you can, there was still the message of like you can choose to do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want, but there was more than just an individual sacrifice involved. It was a Mm -hmm. family sacrifice, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, the benefits of of this way of operating is that like it ingrained in me the idea that in order to thrive, we need each other. I think that that's a good message. I think Mm -hmm. that that is a a biblical message. Mm -hmm. Um, And in order for others to thrive, I need to participate. So I think pro. Yeah. Pro. (laughs) I would say that is a pro. Um, I think the negative side of this, or I'll, or I'll just say the extreme side mm-hmm. of collectivism can communicate that you must deny your uniqueness, your dreams or your desires, mm-hmm. and maybe even parts of your identity if the group doesn't approve or agree. Wow. Um, this is like, and this is where I think I'm learning to ask the question or draw the line, like, this is where it can become oppressive. I think that's a good thing to stop and name that yeah. individualism and collectivism have their places in life and society, but where it gets dangerous is when the extreme version of one or the other adds to someone's oppression or marginalizes mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to name too, because I think we have to be able to say, Hey, this is a fruit of this culture And the culture needs to change, like not just the individuals that are occupying that, like similar to how we kind of talk about America right now. It's Mm -hmm. like we need entire systemic change, right? Like restructuring. And I think it's just really easy to say like, oh, well, I'm just, I mean, even to take an individual approach to Mm -hmm. even issues that arise. It's like, well, okay, well I'll just work this out with this person or with my family or my extended family. Mm -hmm. But I think rarely are we able to take a step back and say, you know, this, this kind of culture is creating this, um, this problem or this version of oppression eventually. Yeah. And so how, you know, it's, 
it's saying like there has to be a different way of an entire structure or culture that doesn't perpetuate and create these problems over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think like for me, I think in a family system, it's just interesting because I never had the perspective of like my family sacrificing for me. Um, I knew that I knew that my family sacrificed for me more so like my parents, right? Like I knew that they were working hard to provide for me, mm-hmm. which I was really grateful for. Still am. Um, <laughs> I was. No, I'm, I am Hi, mom. very grateful. <laughs> Hi, mom. If you're listening, I'm super <laughs> grateful. Um, but I think there was this underlying message, at least in. I I think this was pretty common in most of my friends, um, especially most of my white friends, um, that, that you, you can be self-made like all those same messages kind of from like inside of America. Um, but eventually you have to self-sustain. So like the other shoe of individualism kind of drops, you know, when you're like 18 or when you're out of the house or when you graduate college or when you, whatever that there was a line, there was a deadline Mm -hmm. and you knew it was coming and it was that other shoe dropping that like you could fall on your face Mm -hmm. and it's, and then it's all the other things that we talk about. Then it's the failure and the shame that I didn't make it on my own. And now my family has to help me out. So there's a very clear switch and it's almost, it literally is like a switch it's not gradual. Right. It's like you're out of the house or you're whatever, fill in the blank, whatever that switch is. And so now it's over, mm. you know, sort of thing. And if you ever need our help, then it's because you didn't sustain yourself. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, which is, it's interesting because I definitely feel, I, I say that in a more probably extreme way than I experienced it. But it's what a lot of people have probably experienced. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I always knew my parents were like there for me. Right. But I knew that they wanted me to sustain myself, mm-hmm. which I think there's some really great things about that. Being able to be like a productive member in society and like participate. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the mm-hmm. same things. But I think without the constant and super reassuring like support that if things go wrong it doesn't have to be like your fault your shame mm-hmm. your like <laughs> failure you know it it could just be this happened and now we have to figure it out oh yeah we love you to know. say that on guam like if the if the glass drops and breaks you know an individualist will say he broke the glass or yes. i broke the glass but i'll say the glass broke Yes, it is. That is the perfect. Oh hey, my goodness, hey, perfect the explanation. Glass, the glass broke. Honestly, when you said that, I was like, okay, if the glass broke, it's like my. Yeah, I would say the questions in my house were like, what happened, and or like, what did you do, or like, who did this, mm-hmm. but who did it? Yeah. <laughs> but in collectivist culture, it's all about saving face. Because you don't want anyone. It's not about saving your face. It's about saving their face. Wow. So you just say, the glass broke. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. That would have done me some good probably. In childhood. <laughs> That's good. Um, 
Well, I think the last thing that I want that we've sort of talked about, I want us to talk about a little bit is we've talked about sort of individualism separating us from each other, like one another. Um, we talked about how that creates competition comparison. We've talked about some aspects in the church that we've seen some less, less than optimal fruit Mm -hmm. of worship of even church services, the performative culture, um, of, we moved into, you know, more family system stuff. And now I just want to take a step to go really big (laughs) and, um, go big or go home Mm -hmm. and just talk about creation. I, I think there is a lot to say here. You can say however much you want. I mean, we don't have all day, but you can say a lot if you want. Um, I think this is something I've been waking up to of just how disconnected from the earth I am. Mm. And so I'm, I'm feeling a connected connectedness inside of this topic that it feels kind of like that hot spot of like, you know, like when you're, when like there's a metal detector and it's like, beep, 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 yeah. beep. it's like when yeah. we talk about individualism, I'm like, Oh, I just, I feel that in this realm mm. of, of creation, of feeling separate from creation, of feeling disconnected from the earth and the created things of this earth. Um, and I would just love to hear you talk about that too. Yeah. I mean, I won't say a whole, a whole lot cause this is such a huge, yeah, this is such a huge topic. And I think that we've both been feeling that and have obviously had conversations off of this podcast, um, just unpacking that a bit. And I mean, one of the things that we've, definitely talked a lot about lately is this um concept of dualism Mm -hmm. this viewpoint that the physical and material things are less important than the mental and spiritual things Mm. um like we're gonna go ahead and pursue our own self-actualization without considering the earth so dualistic thinking encourages us to kind of forget the earth to ignore the divine nature of creation and to only, and I'd like to say to pursue our own divinity, like wow. this, this type of thinking feels and in, fuels individualism and basically says that we are more important, more divine, more valuable than mm-hmm. creation. Therefore, our needs are more important than what the earth needs. So take what you want, no need to contribute or care for creation. In fact, it's as if individualistic thinking says creation serves me. Yes. You know, and we've said, yeah, like where God says, like, we have a mutual relationship with creation where creation cares for us and we create, we care for creation and this is holy. Mm -hmm. This is a holy mutual relationship. And, um, you know, we're all obviously feeling it with a lot of the stuff going on in the world right now. Um, with the wildfires, you know, two weeks ago and even today, you know, it's smoky from the fires in California, but it's just, it's, this is funny that these things are like the wake up calls, mm-hmm. but they're the wake up calls because we've been asleep for so long, so long, yeah, to this interconnectedness with mm-hmm. us and creation, mm-hmm. um, and to see everything as spiritual. I think that that's like the challenge, the call, the reimagining, yeah, the going back to. But now we're just, I think, in this place of realizing 
Oh, individualism doesn't just affect our relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. It affects our relationship with whole earth. Mm-hmm. The earth that cares for us and constantly gives to us. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I think even, I'm just thinking about this very specific thing. Um, I was thinking about the concept of that, yes, this this like ideology that creation's here to serve me. And it's one, it's like already introducing hierarchy that mm-hmm. like, creates separation right but I think too it's like it totally destroys the concept that creation can give to me like can give back to me and actually like not in a serving way of like bowing down to me Mm -hmm. but that it's it's giving back like just what you're talking about like the mutual relationship like I just even think about you know it's it's the difference of when you watch a sunset or when you're like staring at the ocean and I'm like, I I don't know if I would say this is a better place or like a more holistic place of like thinking, but now I'm just like, I'm just like in awe of mm. the ocean now, oh, yeah. you know, whereas I think I used to be like, wow, God created this so like I could watch this. Oh yeah. You know, it's like just that <laughs> whole narrative of like, it's for me. God did this sunset for me. And I'm like. I think God really cares about us. And maybe he did bring you to that. Maybe he wanted you to see that. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that's great too. But I think when it turns into, this is to serve me. Mm-hmm. This is because I needed this. Um, right. And that must be why creation is doing this because wow. I needed it, you know? Yeah. And it's, I think it's just the entitlement that, that we deserve something from creation almost. And it's, Instead of this very, yeah, um, like covenantal relationship with all of creation. Yeah. And I think it's funny because then I think about other things that I hear Christians say, like the rocks are crying out. You know, it's like that will even come up. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but that means that they're like just as high as us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if all creation is praising God, like we're we're just part of that creation. We're not separate from that. And that doesn't mean that we as humans like didn't do our job. It's almost like it creates the competition and comparison with creation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't think we need to do that. I don't Mm -hmm. think we need to compete with creation. We obviously have very different roles on this earth. Yeah. But we are meant to like work together. I love it that you use the word roles because I think Mm -hmm. it, um, addresses i think it pushes against this whole idea of hierarchy you know yes um just that rather than you know creation serves us Mm -hmm. we creation cares for us and we care for creation Mm -hmm. that there's like this holy covenant that god has with creation one let's like if we look at the ocean sometimes i just like to think like i think the ocean is like simply responding to this beautiful relationship that God has with the ocean. Like yeah. The ocean is being the ocean. Yes. And that's like really beautiful. Yes. You know, we're getting. It's not being Tara's ocean. It's not being Tara's ocean. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, it's such a, it's such a big, such a big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like this topic of individualism just helps to expose how mm-hmm. disconnected we've become mm-hmm. from the earth and something where it literally gives us the air we breathe. Yes. I mean, we're so entitled to the air we breathe. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, 
I think this, uh, the more and more that things are happening in our world, especially even just the, I think the fires was like a very solidified moment for me where I was like, okay, like the earth is literally crying out to us, Mm -hmm. like to please take care of me. Like I need to heal. Like that's what the earth is telling us, you know? And I just think being re like reconnected and re-engaged with the earth. I, I just was like, I was totally convinced in, in those days of the smoke of just like, this is, this is the starting place. Mm. I mean, I think healing, I think healing, you know, relationally like with humans is super important. I think that's awesome. Um, I just think that there's a humility in regarding the earth with that same respect that it, it has to like, it has to be established first almost because we've, we've degraded our humanity so much with individualism, Mm -hmm. with competition. It leads to all the things that we're experiencing, dehumanization, racism, like everything. I mean, as soon as I can become other than someone else, we've started. Yes. We've started the cycle, you know, And so sometimes I feel like there is this, we need something outside of that cycle Mm -hmm. to, to start to reinform that, that whole mindset, you know? And when you think that like, when it comes to the physical material things, those are the easiest things. It was the easier thing to other, you know? Mm -hmm. So we might as well start there. Yeah. Of not othering the earth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it will be, just easier from there. Everything will be easier not to other yeah. if we start with the thing that was easiest. Yes. Right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. Man. I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I wanted to at least talk about that a tiny bit. I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but yeah, I think, I just think that's super important. And I think that also ties into part two, especially when we talk about the way of Jesus. I mean, how connected to the earth he was. Mm -hmm. I think it's just an amazing example for us of, of what, what the way forward probably should look like, but at least can, like it could look like. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. Yes. Mm -hmm. Me too. Uh, Well, thanks Tara. Yeah. Any last words? Oh man. I'll save it for part two. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. We'll see you when we're back. All righty.